Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. No, I'm not going, not going to do it. Not a chance, buddy. Not going. And so God says, oh, you think your plan's better? All right. And so eventually what happens is Jonah gets swallowed by this big fish. And for whatever reason, some of us painted on our nursery. I don't know why. And and then he gets, you know, the sailors are freaking out. They're, they're out on the boat. And Jonah's, you know, basically denying that there's a presence of God. He's trying to run from God. You can't do that. It doesn't work. God's everywhere all the time. And Jonah's freaking out, and the sailors are freaking out. So finally, they throw Jonah into the, you know, into the ocean. He gets swallowed by a big fish, and here it is. He denies Christ. And so we pick up, or he denies God, and we pick up this story in chapter 2. But we always give Jonah the bad name, saying, man, if I was in Jonah's situation, I would have obeyed God. I would have gone. Whatever God tells me to do, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going for it. Can I just say we're a lot like Jonah? Every single one of us is a lot like Jonah. Because if you take that today, what we shared about last week, that's basically like God saying to you, God, I'm calling you to go to Iraq and tell ISIS and to Taliban about Jesus. Would you go? You'd be like, yes, I'm going. You ain't going. You're like, you're like, God, if that was really you, show me a sign. And then once he shows you that sign, again, you're like, God, I need another sign. God, you know, you know what I mean? That's how that kind of word of God goes. So this is Jonah. Jonah's supposed to go. He's like, there's not a chance. Not going. And so he runs from the mission that God had called him to do. And it's not, can I just say, it's not a good choice, all right? And so we pick up the story here. He gets swallowed by the big fish, and we find him here in the belly of this ginormous fish. Crazy story. And so let's start right here in Jonah chapter 2, the first seven verses. I'm going to read them quick. They're on the screen for you. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. What did he do? Say it with me. Come on. Good job. To the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths. I love the word hurl, by the way. It's so cool that it's in the Bible. All right. Into the very heart of the sea. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. It's a bad day. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath bared me in forever. But you, Lord my God, you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy This is his prayer. This is jo- Jonah is in the belly of this fish, and he prays. First chapter, what is he doing? He's running from the Lord. He's like, God, I'm, I'm trying to get away. I, I don't want to be there. And then we see right here in chapter 2, what is he doing? He's running to the Lord. He's like, God, I, I realized kind of my, my mistake, so here I am. And can I just say, uh, the moment that we think we're running from God, we're not. He's there all the time, everywhere. And uh, I'm reminded of this story. I don't know if you've heard it. A few years ago, there was a, a burglar, a car burglar in Minnesota. And he stole the car, and he got in the car, and he was taking off for San Francisco, California. So it was a very nice car, and he was on his way, and, and the guy went into the police office to report a stolen car and said, hey, somebody stole my car. i got to go get it. I, I need it back. 
and uh, you know, the or the cops are saying, "Do everything we can. You're just gonna have to be patient with us while we try to get your car back." And the, you know, the guy whose car got stolen would just say, "No, you don't understand. I, I know he took off with my car. I know he's going where he shouldn't. I know he's going with something that's not his." But here's the deal. He said, I actually have a box of salty crackers that are on my passenger seat, and he can't eat them. And the guy's like, you're worried about salty crackers. And the guy's like, no. He says, the cop says, they're actually poison for rats. I don't want the burglar to eat them. You know? And so all of a sudden, within this true story, within this story, you've got this guy who stole something that wasn't his, doing something he shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden, this person out of nowhere, whose car was stolen, cares for the guy and says, I'm going to do everything I can to save this burglar even though you're ripped off my car. How cool is that? That's really cool. That's the God in whom we serve. And so when we say, God, I'm going to run from you just like Jonah did in chapter one, we're like, we're going to like, da, 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 da. I mean, we're just, we're going. And what happens when we turn around? Oh, God, you're right there still. Okay, I got to run further. I got to run fast. You sound how ludicrous that sounds. And what happens? We stop and we look back. We're like, there he is. Well, I can't, I can't. I can't escape the presence of God. I don't know how to do it. You know, I, I can't. If you read through the Word of God, you read through the Psalms and the Proverbs, your prayers like this in Jonah 2, we read all the time that no matter what you do, you cannot flee the presence of God. You can't do it. That's good. We can't escape You know, last week I, I asked us a question. I said, I said, okay, let's just be honest with each other. The first question I asked is, could this story actually be real? You know, could this take place? And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, he actually uses this story. He says, yeah, just as Jesus is, you know, going to be you know, dead and resurrected on the cross, the same thing happened to Jonah. He was in the, you know, belly of the fish three days and three nights. So if Jesus is saying, yeah, this actually happened, then Jesus is either a liar, he's crazy, he's a lunatic. Jesus. And I shared last week about how I created a community in my life to follow as the Lord. That's my prayer for you. And so then there's a question in chapter 2. But let's be honest, some stuff in the Bible we read, we're like, I don't know if that actually happened. Like, really? Like, really? Okay? Question 2 is this. If this really happened, if Jesus is really Lord, okay, if this all happened, then how in the world did Jonah live in a how did he do it? I mean, think about it. How, how, how? Well, there's a few different options. First, perhaps there's a fish that you can live inside. There could be. We don't know. Okay. There could be. We haven't seen everything. People are still discovering scientists are discovering stuff every day, you know, in the ocean. Second, maybe God miraculously sustained his life in the belly of this fish. Okay. Or the third option, this is interesting. To know this is kind of the minority option of this three pastor stands is potentially maybe he died from a We don't know. In any of those three cases, no matter what it is, we can all agree on that Jonah is facing a certain type of death. Okay? He's saying he's surrounded by seaweed, the latest beast. You know, he's he's ready to die. Sometimes people doubt the story of Jonah, and it reminds me of the maybe you've heard it before, but there's a story of a little girl. You know, and she's with the teacher, and the teacher doesn't believe, and the little girl's, you know, asking her about the story or telling her about the story of Jonah, and she says it's a whale. It doesn't actually say whale. And she says to the teacher, yeah, Jonah actually did. It really happened. And the teacher's like, 
no, it's impossible. You, it can't happen. No one's ever living a fish. It's, just, it's not going to happen. And the little girl thought for a while, and she said, you know, I don't believe you. And, and they went back and forth for a while. And finally, the girl said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Right? And the teacher said to the little girl, she said, what well, he's been heaven. The little girl said, Think about it for a moment. Think about it. How would you like to live your fish <laughs> You're like, no. Uh-huh. I fish all the time, okay? I, I love to fish. There's not a chance. I've had some big fish on in my life. Like, I don't want to sign up for living fish. But, but just, just put yourself in Jonah's flippers for a moment. Just think about it, okay? Like, you're in a fish. How many here, you don't raise your hand, okay, but how many of you are germaphobes? You come to church, you shake up people on the way out, you look for the giant bottle of Purell before you leave. That's so much. Come on, all right? You're, you're a germaphobe. Well, it's dirty in a fish. You're afraid of fish. What do you find in there? Mud and guts and minnows and parasites. And, I mean, it's just nasty. Or how many here are afraid of the dark? You're like, I'm just, I don't like the dark. This isn't like the story of Pinocchio, okay? This, there's no lights in here, okay? It's dark. He's, he's engulfed in the belly. Oh, this thing. He can't see anything. Are you afraid of the dark? I mean, Jonah can't see. It's completely dark. For three days. Could you imagine that? Okay, so first of all, if your germaphobe is awful, if you're afraid of the dark, it's even worse. But then the third one, and this one's more me, are you a claustrophobic at all? I mean, this is a tight space. This is There's not a lot of space. When he's eating you and other stuff, and it says there's seaweed surrounding him, one of, one of my fears, one of my greatest fears was actually as a kid was being buried alive. And, uh, you know, I used to worry, and we'd go to funerals, and, you know, I, I watched my grandfather die, and he was in this casket. Well, actually, he was cremated, but he was, you know, I'm sitting there going, what if that wasn't really him? What if he was in a casket? And I played this whole thing out in my mind that if he was buried in a casket, what happens if the doctors get involved? What if he was still alive? And, you know, now they involve people, and there's zero chance that that happens. Prior to the 19, I was doing some research on the domestic Prior to the 19, prior to 1900, 2% of all people were very alive. <laughs> That's like my worst fear. And I used to think, you know, maybe you've heard of the term dead ringer. You know, some historians say that the term dead ringer came from, from this, where eventually they realized that some people's heart would start again, and so they would tie a string around the finger, and they would bring it out of the casket, tied to a bell, and that was the dead ringer. And so you you would pull it if you came back alive. I'm going, that is just the definition of a bad <laughs> No thank you. In fact, there, there's uh, there's some other truth that I believe it comes from horse races, actually, the term dead ringer. In either case, don't want to be a claustrophobe in the giant fish, okay? Are you afraid of water? Are you afraid of drowning? Some people won't go ice fishing with me because they hit the arrows. They're definitely afraid of going on the ice. They just won't do it. They're afraid of water. Whether he's in the fish, there's water in that stomach of the fish. Whether he gets tossed out, he's where? He's in water. So he's going to drown. This is awful. This is just horrible. And so the whole point of all of this is really for Jonah, who's telling us the story, is everything is out of his control. Literally, he has no control over what's happening. At all. I sometimes think control in our life is really just our imagination. And really how much control we have. Aspects and circumstances. We have a lot of things about this. 
So what does Jonah do? What does he do? Well, he needs God's presence rather than a resolution. Very interesting. He doesn't, he doesn't do the American thing. God, help me now. He goes, God, I just want you. I want you no matter what's happening. So he prays. It doesn't change God. It changes us. Jonah changes. And prayer in, in our American culture, I like to say this, it's, it's where we think we give God his job description for the prayer is. And so prayer does two things that we first The first it does is I call distance close. We try to get away from the Lord. That's how we Jonah's trying to get away from the Lord. What happened? That distance closed and now God said, I'm going to be right here to try and tell you this. So that's the first thing that happened. Distance closing. Finally, God got your attention. Hopefully you don't have to be swallowed, but God will get your attention. The second thing is the verbal process with God. Prayer is not just one-sided either way. It's communication. It's it's talking. It's having a conversation. And so it's this verbal processing. And a lot of times in prayer with the Lord, what happens? We even sang during worship this morning. I love when we sing songs that have like, oh, or, or different things that they're not just our American words. Because what that does is it tunes us in with the presence of God and the power of God. And there's times where our words just don't do justice. What we're thinking, like, there's just not words to speak like, God, I'm so, I'm so blessed by you. I don't know how to tell you that. I don't know how to tell you how grateful I am. I, I just don't know how. And so, God, I just want you to be blessed. And so it's this verbal processing back and forth so that we can articulate what we want to tell you. The other reason we verbally process the prayers, we don't want to do something we're going to regret later. Okay, so you process that. Most of us, though, we like to remain positive or overwhelmingly ignorantly optimistic at times. And we'll share things about our life with God or with, you know, we'll share the real things with God, but with others, we won't always. In fact, most of us, you know, our wins, the things that we celebrate, they're public. But then our losses, or our pleasure, man, that, that's public. Or our pains, private. Or our worst days, what do we do? We keep them to ourselves. We don't tell other people about them. We clam up. We don't want people to know. But then our best days, what do we do? We put it on Instagram. We put it on Facebook. We put it on social media. We want everybody to know how great everything is going. And they only see one side of it. They don't see who you really are. And Jonah is here processing the God within this giant fish. No one other than God really knows Your spouse might be super close to your spouse. But God even knows far greater than your spouse. He really does. So Jonah... What he does is he tells us how to articulate this. He gives us an example by him articulating how he's feeling to God. How do we know he does this? Well, he shares it with us within Scripture. He never did this before reading the story. And so what prayer does is prayer shifts the burden from us and puts it where it belongs. It might, might not be able to change the circumstance. It might not be able to fix your circumstance. You might not even feel like, man, I can conquer everything that's laid before me right now. You might not even feel like you can walk through what you're going through right now. You might not. God's presence, you will get through. I've tried a lot of other ways. It's only through God's presence. You know, Matt and I, uh, 
uh, we were out fishing a few weeks ago, and uh, we were out fishing for this topic. And one of the things, one of our hearts for our church here is with experience God. Like sometimes I think we go through the motions, we go get our hour of church in, or, you know, we're like, man, I gotta read a, you know, a scripture a day or something. I, I gotta, I gotta do this. And I this religious thing. Rather than this relationship, this funny part, this thing we get to walk out with God. And we started talking about it. And there's a scripture that Paul writes. I don't have it on the screen for you, but let me just read what Paul writes here in 2 Timothy. And he's talking about the end days, okay? The end of the world, or Armageddon, whatever you might want to call it. And in Timothy, he says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lover of themselves, lover of money, most proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the treasure. It goes on and on. And at the end of this, he says this. And this, this for me is where I want you to get this, this is the giant actions that I want you to take today and this week. If I can challenge you, with anything, this would be it. Paul ends talking to Timothy, who's training as a pastor, and he says this. He says, people become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form a form of godliness, but denying the power. That's like saying, well, I know, I know about Jesus. I know about God. Well, how do we get from there to know Jesus? Huge difference. Let's read on here. Verses 8, the first part of verse 9. Toss it on the screen. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love on them. Really interesting turn here in his prayer. All of a sudden he goes from praising to God to not talking about idols. And he goes on, but with shouts of grateful praise, or in other translations, thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And so Jonah is super thankful. He's super grateful. That's pastor can be real with you for a moment. I have a problem. Here's one of my biggest problems I'm just confessing to you today. I, for some reason, I always seem to go to the negative. You know, like, you know, if, if uh, I catch a fish, a big giant fish from Mount Fishing, and it's, you know, a big 13 and a half inch crappie, I'm like, oh, you know, I, that's what I do. Rather than be grateful for the 13 and a half inch crappie. And so, Pray for Pastor, because that's for me. And I'm going, man, I just need to learn to be great. Jonah figured it out. And I want to figure this out before I get swallowed by one of those fish. Okay? Just saying. All right? Just saying. Jonah, what does he do? <laughs> he worships. He worships. Lord, this fish. I don't know. Can you cozy right here? I'm good in this place together. You know, I love being together right now. One service. Fun. Worshiping together. What do you say we all go on a field trip? We'll join each other in giant fish while worshiping. It sounds horrific. Worship. Let me ask you this. Does Jonah worship after he's delivered? Does he do it after he's delivered? In the midst of the storm, just as we say. He worships before he's delivered. And he continues on afterwards. If we only worship after we're delivered, that takes no faith. God wants us to have faith in the middle of this moment to worship. And so Jonah, he's confined. He's trapped. And he finally gets it. It finally comes to life with him. And it all comes down to this thing between idols and worship. He talks about idols. And, and let's, let's unpack this concept in our remaining 
a few moments together. Well, you have idolatry and you have worship. There's two different things. Let's, let's look at it this way. You and I, we see the world a lot of times in race. Okay, we see different different colors of people, different people from different nations, different you know dialects, all of that. We see different class people. We see some that are male, some that are female. All these differences that we see. When God looks at us, He doesn't see that. He sees idolaters and He sees worshippers. And what He's looking for is worshippers. Here's what happened. We're gonna go deep for a moment. When sin enters, or when it enters, we still worship. But what happens is when that sin comes into our life. We stop worshiping, we get our eyes off the Creator, and we start worshiping the created. That's what happens. And we're not called to worship the created, we're called to worship the Creator. Let me, let me unpack that a little more. In other words, it looks like this. The alcoholic worships the alcohol. It's surrounded them. Yeah, well, Pastor, I'm, just, I'm addicted to it. I, I struggle. I, I struggle being... Well, that's because you place that at a place of center in your life. Well, Pastor, I, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a drug addict. The drugs have become who we worship. Okay? Maybe you're a workaholic. Work has become your God, in other words. And so you're worshiping that thing. And so what worship does is it puts whatever's valued to you at the center of your life. And so by worship, it's who or what is at the center. And what that does is it determines who you are and how you live your life and what you do. This determines what Jonah did here in chapter 2 right here. All idolatry is, is it's a good thing and a bad thing. That's idolatry. For, let me give you an example. I love my wife. I, I, would, I would give my life for my wife. I would assume other men in here would do the same. If not, we get talk. I would give my life for my wife. But I could make her an idol. You know, I could put her at the center of both. I love my kids. But I could make them an idol at the center of my life. Ministry, doing church work, could be at the center rather than God. And can I just say this? God does not exist to give us our idols. In other words, He doesn't exist to give us, you know, Lord, we're asking for wealth or health or, you know, relationships or, Lord, we haven't had a baby yet. He doesn't exist to give us those things. Why does He exist? Well, He exists without us. Jesus doesn't need you and I. He can go on just fine without you and I. And he gave his life for you and me. Jesus is not the means to win men. He's what gives Okay. As we see in chapter 4 in a couple of weeks, Jonah had two idols. One was his race. He thought the Israelites were above and beyond anyone else. And the second thing that he idolized was his comfort. No one would say his comfort became key. His comfort was his God. Well, worship kind of comes in three different ways. It comes through our words, what we say. It comes through our words, what we do. And then the third thing is our wallet. Words, words, wallet. You recorded what you said last week. You'll know what you worship. You recorded last week what you did. You'll know what you worship. If you look at your wallet, you'll know what you worship. Let me shout this in here quick. Kind of bring this um, I just want to just give a shout out and praise to God for this. Um, last year, our church did more financial than we've ever done before as a church. That's a year of faith. I want to say thank you very much. Okay. The second thing is last week, our, our general offering we need $3,077 because our budget. And last week, the church went offering and tithes and 
have over six thousand dollars in specimens. Give God praise. I want to thank you. That's a God thing. Okay? He's worshiping him. One of the toughest concepts to preach or teach is trying to tell somebody how to worship God. It's one of the most difficult things to do. It's very hard. Because some some of us men, we don't like to stand up and sing in church. We're not, we just don't like to do that. You know? Some of you will never clap. You know? Some, some of you will never raise a hand. It doesn't mean you're less than anyone else. Okay? It doesn't. God is asking for us to connect with Him on different ways. All worship is it's really simple. It's about being in the presence of God. That's it. You don't have to sing. You don't have to raise a hand. You know, if God's telling you to do that, do that. But it's about being with Jesus. Why? This is the key to all worship. This is the key to not living an idle life. Because when you spend your time with Jesus, you ain't got enough time for idols in your life. Okay? When you're spending all your time with Him, there's this focus. Jonah's example is not for us to stop being an idolater, but to start being a worshiper. Okay? Jonah realizes worship in the presence of God is the solution for his life being tossed in the sea. And so he worships through his circumstances, even though they're not changed, nor is he delivered. So what changed? What changed in Jonah's life? He did. He changed. He had a change of heart here in chapter 2. He turns to Jesus rather than run away for the first time. And so let's finish the last two verses here. It says this. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. We got hurl and vomit all in the same chapter. Okay? No Ralph. But chapter 1, God saves the sailors. Chapter 2, God saves Jonah. Here's what's, there's, there's Hebrew humor here that you might not get. Verse 1, God spoke to Jonah. He said, go to the Ninevites. Jonah didn't go. Verse 2, God speaks to the fish, and the fish obeys. And so in Hebrew humor, the author, us as readers, should get that, you know, the, the fish is more holier than the prophet, okay? The fish obeyed, the prophet didn't, okay? There's a little humor going on here. The only thing, can I say this? I, I hate throwing up, and I hate cleaning throw up with five kids. The only thing worse than cleaning up throw up or throwing up is being thrown up, I would assume. Jonah is the prophecy about Jesus. And so Jonah's not the hero, Christ is. Jonah needed a savior. We talked last year that last week that Jonah was or Jesus was Jonah's savior. Every year, the Jewish people get together, they read the Torah, they read the book of Jonah, and they gather together and they read three words together. And this is what they say. They say together, all in unison, they say, We are they realize they ran from God and they need to run from God. Just on count of three, would you just with me this morning say, We are Jonah? One, two, three. We are Jonah. We're Jonah. Jonah. Just stand to your feet this morning. I want to say this to close. Two things. First of all, God had a specific mission for Jonah. Jonah ignored it, but God wouldn't let up. The second thing is this Did God ever condemn Jonah? Did he ever say, wow, you screw up, you made a wreck of your life. How dare you, I can't believe you turned away from me. You're horrible and punch him in the mouth. Never did. Never. God ran after him with everything in his being. 
to love him, to save him, to hold on to him so that he knew he had value. Was his value here in chapter 2 wrapped up in what he did or wrapped up in who he was? Who he was as a worshiper of the true God. And so today I want to challenge you. Become a worshiper in the presence of God. We're going to sing this song together. It's one of my most favorite songs. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. This, this is called an altar. There's space up here. If you're going, you know what? I just need to come up and feel like I'm just in the presence of the Lord this morning. Sometimes coming and taking a step of faith when we worship is a part of that. You don't have to, but it's available. But right now, my encouragement to you is to experience the presence of God right where you're at. Maybe you're not a singer. and just receive. Maybe God's calling you to communicate with Him and pray. Whatever it is right here, just for the last few minutes that our service remains, would you just embrace the presence of the Lord? Because He wants to embrace us. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you save us just like you saved your Anyone who confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord is saved. Not just from hell, but from your wrath, Lord, from our own selves. So this morning, we say yes to you, Lord. Would you save us, God? We believe in you. And God, I pray this morning and through this week, we wouldn't just have a form of godliness and deny power, but we would live in the presence and the power power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Be here with us this morning as you already have. And be with us this week. Just stay in the presence. Just until we dismiss just for a few more minutes right now. Just give God the beginning of this week. Sunday is the beginning of your week. I know it feels like Monday is. But right now, would you give Him this time? Would you worship with Him? Would you connect with Him like maybe you never have? This altar is open. You're free to come up here and worship to worship where you're at, but let's just take the next few moments and worship in this presence. here in your presence, in our grace. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.